0: All right. All right. All right. Let's press in. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to I want to thank you guys for uh, for choosing to be in the house of the Lord this morning and and deciding to go picnic and beach after. Amen. I, I know it's a beautiful day. I'm only going to keep you a couple hours. And then you could have a, a, an awesome picnic in time. But uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. I pray, God, that it would be an on-time word, God. That it would be exactly what we need to hear at the time that we need to hear it, Lord God. We already know, God, that your word is anointed, that it has power, that it can cut through the nonsense and speak right to our hearts, Lord God. So we just pray that we would be able right now to prepare our hearts to be good ground, to be able to receive what you have for us. Somebody say, Amen. 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 I I, I normally start with a quote, and I'm going to do something a little different. I want to start with... The words—it's really a quote, but it's the words from a worship song that kind of hit me one morning as I was—I was, I was uh, walking to work and I had this song. It came on on, on Pandora, and it just kind of wrecked me. And I've been thinking about it ever ever since. Can you kill these? Uh and so the words go like this: It says, um, "I could just sit." I could just sit and wait for all your goodness and hope to feel your presence. And, and I could just stay. I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel something again. And I could hold on. I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe. I could be safe here in your arms and never let these walls down. So the song says, I could just stay, I, I could just sit, I could just hold and, and hope somehow to, to feel your presence. Can we be honest this morning? You ever go through a slump, spiritually? Just me? You ever just, sometimes it's the season that we're in, sometimes it's, it's the summer. I notice in the summer we go through a lot of slumps, maybe because we take a lot of Sundays off. And I'm not you know I'm not I'm not getting on your cases. It's okay to take a Sunday off. It's okay to have a picnic. It's okay to go to the beach. But I'm saying when you know maybe maybe it has something related to that because we'll do that and then we'll have another Sunday, then we'll have another and so we don't we're not constantly in that same you, you understand what I'm saying? And so we get that slump and 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 it could be the season, it could be the time of year, it could be the situations you're going to, but I think so many times we <clears throat> get that that feeling, I, I could just sit, you know, I could just I could just stay. I could just hold on, waiting for goodness, hoping to feel something, just just holding on to who I am and not but the truth is God hasn't called us to sit. God hasn't called us to stay. God hasn't called us to hold on. The song continues and the chorus gives us the answer that's that's straight from the heart of God. It says, I could just stay, but you have called me higher. And you have called me deeper and I'll go where you lead me, Lord. And see, that's the supernatural life that we're called to live. Amen. That's the power and the life that we experience when we decide not to sit, not to stay, not to sit, but 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 to step out. Amen. People think that to have this supernatural experience, you got to and to feel God's presence. You got to go to some conference or you got to go to some concert or you got to find some some big name uh, a minister and you got to get on a, a line for four hours. And then when he finally gets to you to have him lay hands on you and make some ugly face. And then have some kind of impartation. And and we think, you know, that's... And when, when you feel the giggles and the goosebumps, that's the impartation of God. But the only impartation that we need is the Spirit of God in us. And we already have that. Somebody say amen. I saw people here this week sweating because the new ACs on the annex weren't done in time. We tried and tried and he tried and I saw them sweating and, and midweek we had a, a power blowout and we lost power in three rooms but I saw people in Christmas lights with extension cords and, 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 and lanterns still having classes and the kids didn't even make a difference, they loved it even more, Right? And I watched some people who maybe never saw themselves as ministers, teenagers, young people, um, people that, that are never in the front. And, and I watched them follow kids around and try to keep them in the room so that maybe they could hear something, so that maybe somehow they could experience the love and power of God. And they did. And they did, and so many kids did. And church, that's the supernatural life when you give of yourself till you're empty to someone who has nothing that they can give back to you. So we've been talking about the supernatural now for a while and, and after you talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and that connection that, that we can have with God, and we've been focusing on that beautiful illustration in John 15 where Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you're going to bear fruit. Amen. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then he says in John 13, they'll know, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Amen? So when we choose to to believe what the Scriptures teach us of God, we can have this connection with God. And, And the beauty of that is the simplicity, man. We don't earn it by being good. You guys know you can't earn it by being good? You don't deserve it when we don't do too many bad things. How many people are always trying to weigh out? Man, if I do enough, if I do more good than I do bad, then God will be happy with me. You ever had that, that balanced structure? You can't. You can't do good enough. You can't deserve it. We don't have to meditate. We don't have to empty our minds. We don't have to get into some stupid position and meditate and empty it. We don't have to do that nonsense. We don't have to light candles. We don't have to put money in a jar and offer it up to a stupid cast plaster saint. That's how I feel about that sometimes. That's real right there. John 15 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. How? Listen. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. What commands is he talking about? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. And so I think probably the number one hindrance to walking supernatural is deciding to just sit. Deciding to just stay, deciding to just hold on, to just play it safe, and, and not allowing Him to lead us, and we don't do what He commands, and so the reason for it is either we don't trust God, or we trust in something else. It's either a lack of trust, or it's idolatry. Those are the two things that keep us from walking supernatural. Can we get, we're going to get real, alright, Amen. See, since the beginning of time, God has always shown us that he, he's always had to teach his people that he's there, that he can be trusted, and that there's no other gods besides him. If you read through the whole Old Testament, that's everything God was showing us. He's there, he can be trusted, and there's no other gods beside him. And so what I want to do here is kind of continue in the story that I left off, the story of Moses, the last time that I preached the, the message, he's already there. Um, and I want to give you a kind of a beautiful update to that message. That week that I preached about how every time we realize we need God and we finally come to him, we realize that he's already been there. Amen. So during, during, uh, during that time, I had a petition before I preached that message as I was preparing that message i had a a, a personal petition with the lord and, and a, a a prayer that was heavy on my heart and I didn't share it with anybody that was it was personal it, I was asking God to meet my kids. I had one daughter that was pregnant with her second child and 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 I was just asking God to make sure that that everything is good, to make sure that she's safe, to make sure that, that, that they're good. And then I have another daughter that I know has been wanting a child for, for a long time. And so I was bringing it to the Lord specifically, I, Specifically, man, it's, it's okay to tell God exactly how you feel. It's okay to bring your prayer. It's, the word says bring in prayer and petition and supplication, make your request known. To God, amen. And so I was asking God specifically, God, I would love for my daughters to be pregnant together, for them to have these kids around the same time so that they can grow up together, so that they can, you know, have that bond and that closeness. And what I found out after sharing this message, they came and told me she had already been pregnant. And so in the time frame that I was praying this, God was already there. He was there two or three weeks before. Amen? And, and the thing is, is that it's twins. But, you know, that's a whole other. <laughs> that's just a bonus. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.10. Amen? See, the supernatural life is about walking in the assurance and the confidence that he's there, that he can be trusted, and that there is no other gods beside him. He's there. He can be trusted, and there's no other... Stop looking over there. Look over here. I'm talking to you. You're making her feel awkward now. He can be trusted, amen? So we left off in the story. This is a great story. I love this. Watch this. This We left off in the story of God's people in the book of Exodus. God, God, God's people had been living in Egypt. I told you this in the last message. They were doing well and they were growing and becoming a strong nation. <laughs> a new king takes over and he sees that the Hebrews are doing too well and so he enslaves them. And he makes life difficult for them. He makes them work hard. I mean, it's just, life is brutal now for God's people in this in, in, in Egypt. And after some years of this hard slavery and affliction and oppression, and Pharaoh started sacrificing their kids, sacrificing their, their firstborn males, so that they would not keep getting stronger and stronger. He was trying to weaken God's people. Since the beginning of time, we've seen the world, the enemy, try to weaken God's people. So um, God hears them, and and, and in Exodus 3, God is telling Moses, uh, Surely I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of a land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Somebody say amen. See, God hears their groaning. He's attentive to their cries. Nothing's changed, church. God hears our groanings. He's attentive to our cries. And so by the time they're enslaved and they, things start getting bad, and by the time they come to God, God had already prepared a a way of deliverance for them. Moses had already been born, had already been trained, had already been put in the right place to be able to deliver them. And so I, Moses, after trying to disqualify himself, as a lot of us do today, well, I'm not, I can't speak, I can't do this, I can't do this. God says, shut up, what do you got in your hand? He said, I got a stick. Okay, well, tell them that I am sent you. So whenever God gives you his name and a stick tells you to go, he says, day, you know, it's going to be a fight. Amen? But you have everything you need. See, God always shows us something that we have that he can work with. For some of us, it could be a talent, it could be a passion, it could be something we even see as a weakness. God says, I'll take that weakness and be strong in you. So Moses goes to Pharaoh after he's convinced and after he's he's, uh, encouraged. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go so we can worship the one true God. And Pharaoh says, how about no? Pharaoh says, I don't know this God. Why should I listen to him? Who is this are the words who is this God that I should listen to him? And that's our attitude sometimes, amen? I hear that from people sometimes. Who is this God? And Maybe we don't say it that way because that sounds a little too strong, but in our attitude. Who is this God that I should listen to him? When we talk about serving, when we talking about uh, 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 tithing, when we talk about all these things that inconvenience us or that, that make us uncomfortable, who is this God that we should listen to him? So God is about to deal with that statement in Pharaoh's life with the heart of the Egyptians and teach God's people, the Israelites, teach them how to deal with that attitude, who is this God? Because see, the Egyptians were the most polytheistic people of that time. They had over 80 gods. Still do, many of them. They had over 80 gods that they worshipped. And now, I don't know if you knew this or if you heard about this, but each plague that God sends... On the Egyptians was to deal with a specific God of theirs. Watch how cool this is. God is going to teach the Egyptians and his people that he's there. That he can be trusted. And that there's no other gods besides him. Because after all, for God's people to walk in the supernatural, we're going to have to believe that. Say amen. So he sends the plagues. The first plague, he tells Moses, tell Pharaoh that the Nile River, if you know anything about Egypt and the Nile, they worship the Nile. The Nile is is like their source of life. It's it's a big thing for them. Tell Pharaoh that the Nile River that you were throwing all the Hebrew boys into, that whole river is going to turn to blood and all the fish in it are going to die and no one's going to be able to drink from it and it's going to stink your entire nation. Can you imagine the scene? The scripture says in Exodus 7, there was blood everywhere. Can you imagine? All the Nile that runs through the whole place is blood. And, and everything that they had going back and forth now is blood. Everything is turned to blood. Their main source of water was now blood. Now, <coughs> this is why this was so huge, because the Nile was worshipped. The Egyptian god, Kanam, was was the guardian of the Nile. And then they had a god named Happy, H-A-P-I, who was the spirit of the Nile. And, and he was the lord of the fish and the animals. And then they had a great god, Osiris. That's one of their major gods. He's the god of the, un- or she, whatever, is the god of the underworld. And so it was thought that Osiris' bloodstream runs through the Nile. So watch this. By turning the now to blood, God was in essence saying, three of your gods are bleeding. Is that not gangster? I mean, is that not cool? He's saying three of your gods are bleeding and the four or five supporting gods that support them can't do anything about it. I don't know if you feel the weight of that. Imagine you tell somebody, the God that they're serving, he's bleeding, he's dying, and you can't do anything about it. And this is the God that you worship. This is the God that that is the God of this and the God of that for you, and he's bleeding. Deal with that. So God gives them a chance to repent and to let his people go. He says, okay, so now you see. What the real God can do. Now you see that your gods are powerless. Let my people go so that they can worship. And, and the, uh, um, Pharaoh says no. Pharaoh refused. You ever got, you ever had God show you that that thing that you're trusting in can't help you? No? Just me? Can we be honest? Uh, like, you know, are we good? Like, you don't even have to shout. You can just look at me and go, I know many times, that thing that I'm trusting in, God has to had to show me, you trusting in the wrong thing. That person that I'm trusting in, God has had to show me, you trusting in the wrong thing. you trusting in the wrong one. Amen? So, during the first few plagues, Pharaoh hardened his heart, the word says. And then, during the last few, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he wouldn't be- get to the point where he couldn't repent anymore. See, church, we have to be careful when we decide to just stay, when we decide to just sit, because when we could allow our hearts to be hardened past the point where we can come back. That's, that's a little terrifying. Second plague. The second plague was frogs. Now, I used to read this and think God just picked random stuff. Like, I'm just going to annoy these people. Like I'm gonna send them frogs. I'm gonna send them flies. I'm gonna. Send... I just thought God picked these random things, right? But when you start to study, you understand that there and, and so the second plague, there were fro- there were frogs everywhere. It says that there were frogs in the house, on the court, outside the court, on the streets, in the Pharaoh's bed, everywhere. There were frogs everywhere. Why frogs? One of their big gods, the Egyptian god, was Heket. And that was the goddess of fertility. And every time they drew him, her, she had a face of a frog. Wonderful looking God, right? Amen. Can't wait to bow down before a frog faced God. But that's one of the, the goddess of fertility was always pictured with the head of a frog. And so for this reason, listen, frogs were considered sacred and they couldn't be killed. That's kind of funny. So God is going to show the Egyptians the futility and the foolishness of their frog God because now there are little frog gods are everywhere and they can't kill any. See how silly. I mean, it, it sounds funny, but uh, anyway. So there are frog gods are everywhere and they can't kill it. And so Pharaoh freaking out. He says, Moses, you, you, he asked Moses for help. And so Moses prays and the frogs don't go away. The frogs die. Moses prays and the frogs die. <laughs> Look at all your frog gods. Dead. Stinking up all of Egypt. And now you have to carefully clean and sweep and get all these frogs together and somehow give them some burial and some respect or something. Because they're gods. But they're dead when the man of God prays. Amen? This reminded me of uh, uh, in, in school we had a <clears throat> this, this, this kid, uh, I got to look him up on Facebook, Rafael Tabades, and, in, 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 and, and he was, his father, you know, his parents were san, Santeros and all that stuff, and so he always wore, you know, the little eyes that, that Puerto Ricans wear, if you have it, you better, you better never let me see it up in here, <laughs> but, so they had, he had the little eyes, and he would always wear them in, on, on his chain in the back, and so we, the kids one time said, um, but what's up with the eyes on the head? He goes, No, that's my my saint, because that way the saint lets me know. Um, lets me see from behind, lets me see anything coming. For the rest of the year. We smacking Raphael in the back of the head all the time. You didn't see that? What happened to that? You didn't see that? Who kicked you? Who kicked you? The poor kid. I mean the rest of the year. But anyway, that's the futility and the foolishness of, of the things that, that become our culture and that we believe in, right? So anyway, if you have that, don't do it now, but take it off at home and throw it out. Because it's foolishness, you know? Third plague. Third plague was the Hebrew uh, word kinem. Some scholars translate it as lice. Fun. Some, uh, some scholars call it fleas. And some say they were gnats. Tiny little gnats. If you've ever, which are like like bed bugs, so if you've ever experienced lice, fleas, or bed bugs, the scriptures say that with this plague, all the dust on the ground in Egypt turned to lice. Yeah, I knew you'd feel that one. All of the dust on the ground in Egypt turned to, and they bit everyone and everything. And so that means everyone was defiled. And every animal had bites on it, so that made every animal defiled. They couldn't offer that animal up to their gods, so they couldn't have any sacrifice, because you had to, for a sacrifice, it had to be a pure, and spotless animal, every animal had, had lice marks, or bite marks, or flea marks, whatever, and so they were all defiled. The funny part about this, in Exodus 7 and 8, it tells us, when God used Moses to strike the Nile, turn it to blood, the Egyptian magicians, Pharaoh had all these sorcerers, and magic art people, right? And so he had them, they they took some, spe- some spell, they took a well water, and and they did the same thing with magic spells, they turned the well water into blood. And so Pharaoh hardened his heart. He's like, no, we could do that too. And so, and, and, and when Moses, when Moses brought the frogs, the, the Pharaoh's magicians and sorcerers, they cast the spell and all that with all the dark and demonic arts, and, and they brought more frogs. And so Pharaoh hardened his heart. He said, no, the, we could do that too. Now, I was thinking, maybe it's just me, but if I had the best sorcerers and magicians, who had spells and powers and could do this thing. I wouldn't, I would tell him, listen, dummy, don't do what he does. Reverse it. If you have any power, then don't give me more blood. Give me water. Amen. Don't give me more frogs. Give me less frogs. Send them away. But see, it just shows you that the enemy can only copy. The enemy can only mimic. The enemy only tries to copy what God does. He can't do anything original. Somebody say amen. So this plague, the dust into lice thing, the magicians couldn't do. And and, and so then, so, so they told, the sorcerers told Pharaoh, no, this is definitely the hand of God. See, turning dust into living things, that's a God thing. Come on. The magicians and magic arts and darkness and demonic powers, they can't turn dust into living. That's a God thing. Somebody say amen. So they, they couldn't only bring in, you know, dust to life is only the hand of God can do that. So anyway, there were ten plagues. I don't have time to get into all of them. Um, you guys got picnics to go to. I know, I know you want to eat. The other, the, the, the other plagues that came after they were more specific in, in affecting. So it started getting worse and worse is what I'm trying to say. Before, you know, the flies, uh, the, the, um, The lice and all that, they they hit the whole country. And the blood obviously hit the whole country. Now, the the plague started targeting just the Egyptians. So like the next plague was flies. And so now, there would be flies only in the Egyptians' houses, not in the Israelites' houses. So we can live across the street from each other, and you have a plague of flies destroying your whole house, and in my house, there's no flies. And so now, they start to see like how God can control things, you know. That's just God is showing showing off. He's just showing the power of God. That your stuff is, is a joke, right? You have to understand. I can put flies infest your house, and you can live across the street and be, be fly free. Somebody say amen. The next one, there was the death of livestock. One of the plagues. All the livestock, they were, they were, they were being killed. Why? Why livestock? Because God was covering all the other tiny gods. Almost every Egyptian god has the head of an animal. So God was saying, in case you still believe in all the other ones, watch this. The bull is dead. The lamb is, this is dead. The goat is dead. The, the, the chicken is dead. This just, all the livestock died just in case you had some reverence of a god in one of those animals. They're all dead. Now what? You ever had some weird things happen in in your life and you had some dreams you couldn't explain and sometimes I think God is trying to kill our little gods. Somebody say amen. The tenth and final plague. This one is difficult to deal with. It was the death of the firstborn of everything of the Egyptians. This is hard. See, Pharaoh was told in the beginning... Israel is my firstborn. Let them go that they may worship me. If you don't, you'll be sentencing your firstborn. are big words. Amen? And so Exodus 11 tells us that about midnight, every firstborn son in Egypt will die. And even every firstborn animal will die. And there will be loud crying throughout all of Egypt, such as there has never been or ever will be again. But with the Israelites are, not even a dog will be startled. So God told Moses and Aaron that this will be a day for you to remember. And this became in the Jewish calendar, the Passover. And at this first one, He said, have his people, they should have a Passover meal, which had to be a perfect lamb without defect or blemish. And they should eat it together, and they should take the blood of the lamb, and they should put it on the doorposts of the Israelites' homes. Not on the floor so it could be trampled on because the the blood was symbolic. And so you put the blood on the doorposts of their homes. And verse 12, it says, and on that same night, I will go throughout Egypt and kill every firstborn male, both human and animal. And I will severely punish all the gods of Egypt because I am the Lord. But the blood on your houses will be a sign for your protection. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Nothing will touch or destroy you when I strike Egypt. Now, I know that's a hard passage. It's tragically beautiful. I say that because on one hand, people and animals are going to die, and there's no way around that. And people don't like that. People read that in the scripture. You hear atheists quoting that scripture all over up and down. God is cruel. God kills people. God kills uh, uh little children. That's the God you want to serve. God is cruel. And, and and nobody likes that. And listen, I'm not asking you to like that. This is not the fluffy picture of God that this our people want to embrace. This is not the fluffy picture of God that that um that this culture has we might think it's funny that that these people had little frog gods but we make idols of athletes rappers we make idols of people that can't even pull their pants up to their waist that's funnier than a frog god we make idols of rappers that can't even spell we make idols of People that are famous for nothing. And then we have our own personal idols. We make ourselves little G's. We live in a culture that (laughs) fits God in whenever they can because we were created to worship. But the problem is we were created to worship, and so when we don't find a God to worship, we worship other things. Because we're created to worship. We cannot not worship. Listen, this is like heavy. You cannot not worship. Go home and try to not worship. You were created to worship. It's in you. You're going to worship. You can fight and fight. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe... You can say all that nonsense and then watch the rest of your day and watch who you're worshiping. Because you will worship. You'll worship the gram. You'll worship Facebook. You'll worship uh, uh, every other thing that comes up. You'll worship your cars. You'll worship your homes. Boyfriends, girlfriends. I remember a time in my life when I was like really into cars, man. And I was into, and I bought my first new car. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is because it's embarrassing. But but it was new and, and I thought it was so cool, right? And I was into this thing. Like I had this, that, was, that had a stronghold on me. I was into this car. And every day something happened to it. And dumb stuff. Like one time we got to the car and somebody had taken my windshield wipers and mangled them. So I, find, I came all oh, my windshield wipers are. And like, why would somebody do that to my little Hyundai? Why Another time there was, there was, they had empty garbage all over the hood. And this is in mean, Manhattan, you know Manhattan, you park 15 blocks from your house, so it's not like there's one person targeting my car. It was God, I think, targeting my car. The back windshield wiper ripped off. My my, my uh, uh, windows broken. My Bensie box. Remember Bensie box? Now I'm really dating myself. Remember the 100 pound radio you used to pull out and carry around on a bag? Like <laughs> Stolen. Because I was that moron that put it underneath the seat. <laughs> stolen. Then, then uh, fix the window. Didn't put the radio in. Somebody break the window in just to make sure I didn't do it again. <laughs> Went underneath the... And my car was wrecked all the time until I finally, re- re- I finally released the car. I said, you know what? I don't care. And so I'd get to the car and there's a flat. Oh, what the heck? Who cares? Change it. They break this. They put dirt. Who cares? And when I let go of it, God let me get a better car and nothing ever happened to that car. See, but it was a little God in my life. But this culture, you know, we 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 worship we worship idols, man, and we we don't see ourselves as idolaters, and we could laugh at the Egyptians with the frog god, and we could laugh at Osiris and 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 all these things, and we see how all those gods come through in the Illuminati and the music and all that, all the triangle that all comes from this thing. Do you do you understand? This is why it's so relevant. We think all oh, the Bible's outdated. No. The same dumb thing that Jay Z and everybody's on, that's from from Egypt, from Egypt, from the Egyptian gods. And so we 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 if we this culture, if there's any room for the spiritual, then we worship a God that we've made in our image. And, oh, this God is love and he has to accept everybody. He has to tolerate um, whatever we do. He has to like it with no consequence. Jesus is my homeboy. That is not the God of the Bible. That's not the beginning and the end. The one who created us and called us to do what's right in his eyes. We serve a God that, that, that we want to do what's right in our eyes. This is the God that loves us so much that he gave his son, yet hates sin so much that his son had to die. So on one hand, there's tragedy and there's wrath and it's terrifying and it should be this picture of the 10th plague. It should be horrifying, it should be terrifying, but on the other hand, it's an introduction to grace. It was a picture in the Old Testament of the gospel. See, the law said from the beginning, the wages of sin is death. Now many years later under the new covenant, God is going to do away with the sacrificial system of forgiveness and atonement and he would become the perfect lamb without blemish or spot, amen? And so when we celebrate communion, we remember and we eat of the Passover meal, the perfect lamb, Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's why in Christ there's no condemnation for us because he paid the debt that we couldn't pay because... Because John 3.16, he so loved the world. He so loved us that he made a way for us to cross over from being enemies of God, but from being sinners in the hands of an angry God to bring us to a place of grace where he calls us friend, the book says. In Christ, we're reconciled to God. And now when God looks at us, he doesn't look at our mess, he doesn't look at us in our dysfunction, he doesn't look at us in our trying, his wrath passes over us. When he sees the blood on the doorposts of our heart, his anger passes over us. So wherever you are today, listen, Where. Whether you're new to all this, hearing the gospel, maybe for the first time, or or you've been sitting in church for too long, the challenge for you today is this. You could just sit and wait for his goodness, but he's already sent it to us in Christ. You could just stay and hope to feel his presence, but it's all around you. Worship team, you guys could come. You could hold on and never let him change you, but if he's not living in you and you're not living in him, then you never were really connected in the first place. And you could be safe and never let your walls down, but but church, I'm telling you, family, he's called you higher. He's called you deeper. Amen? And it's time to stop putting all these other things before God. We might never have seen it like that before, but anything that we're obsessed with, Obsessed with is an idol between us and God. Anything that comes before God is a little frog in our life. I want you to start to see that because it's, it's, if it meant so much to God back then, it means so much to Him today. Amen. Anything that separates us from His people. Any attitude or belief that keeps us from worshipping, any person that comes between us, is a little G. It's a little God. And I believe God wants us to know today that He's there. That He can be trusted. And that there is no other God beside Him. Somebody say Amen. So before you guys play, we're going to play that song that I quoted from in the beginning and... And then afterwards, you guys would take it from there Can we just stand for a moment? I could just sit. I could just. Sit and, wait for and if you need to come forward and make a choice today to follow God, man, then don't just stay still. I could just stay. Let's smash some idols today, Amen. Addiction, lust, people pleasing, wrong self-images. Let's smash some idols today. Come on.